JC Corcoran Podcast. The president in no way, uh, form or fashion has ever uh, promoted or encouraged violence, if anything, quite the contrary. I'd like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. I love the old days. You know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, folks. Rough up. He should have been. Maybe he should have been roughed up. Maybe he should have been roughed up. All right, yeah, get him out. Try not to hurt him. If you do, I'll defend you in court. Don't worry about it. So if you see somebody getting ready to throw a tomato, knock the crap out of him, would you? Seriously. Okay. Just knock the hell. I promise you, I will pay for the legal fees. I promise. I promise. The president in no way, uh, form or fashion, has ever uh, promoted or encouraged violence of anything, quite the contrary. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that? It is Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. You are at jconthelive.com. How are you doing, folks? Well, sort of the slogan I use on the podcast is, we only do politics when it's absolutely unavoidable. And so usually I do it, I get in, get out, we move on to something else. I think this is one of those days. This um, Kristen Welker seems to be a pretty good, solid journalist for NBC, you know, put her time in, was doing field reporting for years and years. And ever since America lost Tim Russert, they just can't seem to find anybody to plug in there on Meet the Press. I think they originally gave it to David Gregory. People didn't like him. They put somebody else in there. And then they had Chuck Todd for about, what, the last 10 years. And now they got this Kristen Welker. And to the shock and surprise of I think everyone, she says, oh, first show, let's uh, kick things off with a bang. And so she had Donald Trump on for the show over the weekend. And there were a lot of people whose backs went up sort of collectively over the idea of this being the statement that she wanted to make. And frankly, I didn't see a lot of pushback on things. And one thing specifically, and this gets into a touchy area. Years ago, I got involved with the NARAL people, National Association of Reform of Abortion Laws, or something like that. There are no laws in this country that tell any man what he can and cannot do with his body. None. But there sure are a lot of them for women, and I'm sort of offended by that. I have three daughters. So they approached me and they said, you know, we got this big thing we do every year, this big, big meeting of NARAL, and uh, if you'd like to emcee that, we would love to have you. And I was like, sure, I'm going to do that. I want to try that. I don't like politicians, and I didn't like them that night either, and those are all the ones that I agreed with. You know, the whole Carnahan family was there. All of the top Democrats in the state of Missouri were all there. Pretty big deal. Probably, I would say, maybe five, 600 people in a giant ballroom over at the Frontenac Hilton. I cleaned myself up, put a nice shirt and tie, and went up there. And, you know, I walk up, and I just said, look, 
I've got three daughters. I think it would be nice if they had control of their bodies. And, you know, big, big ovation, and then we moved on. But, boy, politicians are a weird bunch. Oh, it, Like I said, even if they're the ones you agree with, it's there's something about the way they conduct themselves that makes you say, I don't think I want to do this anymore. People who are politically active or politically in the know sort of like those people. But the actual politicians themselves, just, uh, you know, just not crazy about them. So I did the gig, and that was pretty much it. Anyhow, Donald Trump is on with Kristen Walker on, you know, as the new host of Meet the Press. And one of the things he said that's getting a lot of attention is that he said he's going to work with the Democrats to figure out a number, a number of weeks that everybody can agree on. The right to lifers and the abortion rights people come up with some sort of a number, some sort of happy medium, probably somewhere in the vicinity of like 15 weeks. You know, this nonsense in Texas and Florida where before you even know you're pregnant, before you could even possibly know that you were pregnant, you're already breaking the law if you try to get an abortion. And I think everybody has seen through that. You can see what it really is that's going on. They're trying to prevent all abortions. Again, old white men making laws for women to follow. So like I said, Trump gets on Meet the Press and he's like, yeah, I'm going to work with the Democrats. We're going to come up with a number and then we're going to put this issue to rest once and for all. And then the country can move on to other stuff, which at face value doesn't sound bad until you go back a whopping two weeks, two weeks where Donald Trump made a big speech where he was speaking in front of a very friendly crowd. That's the only crowds that he really addresses and was bragging about the fact that he put an end to Roe v. Wade by installing three ultra-conservative, anti-choice judges on the Supreme Court. My God, the man has had an epiphany in two weeks. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. And like I said, for, for a brief few moments there, I was thinking to myself, my God, you know, Trump said something that I sort of agree with. And you're like, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. This is like that scene in It's a Wonderful Life where old man Potter is trying to recruit Jimmy Stewart's character and he shakes his hand and Jimmy Stewart just pulls it away like ice cold. I can forget this. Forget it. Best analogy I can come up with. The game last night. Oh, for God's sakes, what a game. What? A game. It's one thing that Adam Wainwright hits 200 wins, but it's another thing for them to do it the way they did it. And that Nolan Arenado catch down the left field line in foul territory was great. The line drive laser beam home run into left field. That was uh, very reminiscent, I thought, of Mark McGuire's number 62, where it just sort of disappeared in a little gap between the bottom of the row of seats and the top of the wall. Very similar home run last night. The only run the Cardinals got was all they needed. And the Milwaukee Brewers just seemed absolutely stupefied by these, you know, 84-mile-an-hour fastballs. Adam Wainwright doesn't have any velocity anymore, but he still has location, and he still has Uncle Charlie. you got these big, fat power hitters for the Brewers up there drilling themselves into the ground. It was just a thing of beauty. It was a thing of beauty last night. So congratulations on win number 200. And it brings up a very interesting question, I think. What do you do about Adam Wayne right now? Do you pitch him another time or maybe two more times in the rotation? 
Let him go for 201? Nah, I don't think so. I don't think Look, first of all, we need to get a look at some of these young arms, these guys that we're going to be relying on next year. Get them in a game situation in the major leagues, you know, against good teams. We need to know how these guys handle the situation. And if you put Adam Wainwright out there, you're really depriving these young guys, really everybody, you're depriving the organization and the fans from getting a look at these young guys who are going to have to get it done next year. I say you let Wayno sit it out for the next, what is it, 12 games now? Sit there in the dugout or in the bullpen, have some laughs, think about retirement. Time to just pull away and start looking towards Jupiter, Florida next February. Put What a game. What a game last night. The Chiefs have restructured Patrick Mahomes' contract. He gets $210.6 million through 2026. It's the most money ever in NFL history for a four-year span. By now, we probably already know who the new captain of the St. Louis Blues is. News conference scheduled for 11.30 this morning. Probably Robert Thomas. Could be Braden Shen. We'll see. Because of the writers' strike out in Hollywood, the networks are trying to figure out, hey, we got to put something in prime time. we got no shows. So ABC has said they're going to start simulcasting things like Monday Night Football, which right now only runs on ESPN. And they say, we're going to put it on ESPN and on ABC. There's one night. You still got six to come up with something to put on the air. For a while now, the Tampa Bay Rays have been flirting with the idea of splitting their time between Tampa and Montreal, or maybe moving to Montreal, or maybe moving to Charlotte, a couple of other cities trying to get a baseball team. The stadium is atrocious. It's just awful. I could sit here and reel off 30 different things about that ballpark in St. Petersburg that make it a really, really unpleasant experience. And and it's not like they're not trying, but it's it's just not happening. And nobody goes. you got a team that's been winning championships, making the playoffs pretty much every year, and the ballpark's empty. A couple of those uh, games between the Rays and the Cardinals, if the Cardinal fans hadn't been there, I don't think there would have been two, 3,000 people in the entire ballpark. It's really sad and it's depressing, but it shows you the American sports fan in the 21st century has these demands. We've been spoiled. We need an overall experience. It used to be one thing. You go, hey, we're going to go see the baseball game. Now, people go to the ballpark and the game is actually value added or something. I don't understand it. You got to have all this other stuff going on. It's no wonder people say so many stupid things on the internet about sports because half of them aren't even watching the game. Well, today, the city of St. Petersburg is announcing plans for a new stadium-ending speculation. The Rays will leave the Tampa Bay area. But it's a dome again. I think it should be open air or, at the absolute minimum, a retractable roof of some kind. I don't understand why it's got to be a dome, a permanent dome. I mean, in the fall, in the Tampa Bay area, it's hot. It was 90 degrees for that football game against the Bears on Sunday at Raymond James Field on Sunday afternoon. People were, like, baking out there in the sunshine. And that's not like a lot of other ballparks for football where there's some sort of shade or enclosure or a partial roof or just something. Uh Uh-uh. You are completely and totally exposed. 
And for more than half of the NFL season, you're playing out there in temperatures that at the absolute minimum are in the low to mid-80s. That's hot. And that's not just mid-80s. That's Florida 80s, which is, if you have ever been to Florida, you know the difference between 85 in St. Louis and 85 in Florida. The sun is intense. It'll eat you alive. But at least they get the new stadium and the team doesn't move. And I suppose that's a good thing. And the new Monday Night uh, Football theme debuted last night. It's a cover of In the Air Tonight, Phil Collins. But this has got Chris Stapleton, Snoop Dogg, and Cindy Blackman Santana, who is both Carlos Santana's drummer and wife. And the other big story in Florida and across the nation, because this got picked up nationally, uh, they had a closed down Walt Disney World yesterday because a bear got in. A bear got into the park, and I, for one, don't understand how that's possible. There are big walls and gates all over the place at Walt Disney World. And you know that if you've ever been there, because you know you probably had to sell one of your cars to be able to have enough money to go there. And that's what people do. People would just walk in if it wasn't a gated attraction so how the hell does a bear get into the place you said the bear was walking around looking for food and then it saw the sign that 22 dollars for a cheeseburger we'll hop the fence go back outside the grounds and eat a raccoon or something jesus elon musk says he's gonna start charging for well it says here x but it's twitter Bill Maher backing off, coming back. He was supposed to come back this weekend, but like Drew Barrymore, I think they probably told Bill Maher, if you ever want another guest from the Hollywood show business community on your show, you better not try to start up without writers because we will fucking remember this bill. So he backed off. And I love that John Waters got his star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame yesterday, and he joked that now he's that much closer to the gutter than ever. Marilyn Manson blew his nose on a videographer back in 2019. Yesterday, he pled no contest to that. 20 hours of community service, and he's got to pay a fine. I mentioned this this morning, and I hope every woman listening to this hears me and listens and takes it to heart. There's a woman by the name of Katrina Bowden. She's 35 today. She played the very, very tall, blonde, pretty secretary on 30 Rock, the Tina Fey, Alec Baldwin show. And they didn't give her much to do on the show. It was just almost sort of like eye candy. But she figured, well, it's time to try to make some money off this. And so she started posing for magazines. And I'm going to say something that will probably surprise a lot of people. But the woman is perfect perfect and because she is perfect she was very very uninteresting to look at she looked like an ai generated supermodel she didn't look real it's not her fault she didn't do anything she didn't do anything wrong i'm just making a statement here that there just isn't anything sexy or interesting about perfection yeah so it's little things like uh you know for the guys seeing your wife with you know, one boob that's bigger than the other one, or she turns around, walks to go to the bathroom, and you look at her, and you know, one ass cheek is hanging down a little lower than the other one. Those are the things that make women interesting. And I'm just talking about the physical body interesting. I'm not talking about the personality of the intellect of the woman. I'm just talking about the way guys look at women when we are ogling them, which is one of the best things we do. The excitement of, of uh, well, I'm getting too deep into this. All I'm just saying is don't strive for perfection. There's nothing interesting about perfection in the human body. Celebrate what you have. If you got great boobs, you don't have that great a butt, celebrate the boobs. Get them out there.
I don't know, somebody's going to get mad at me here. I'm trying to say something productive. There's probably a lot of people who just simply won't take it that way. I'm becoming increasingly concerned about my choice in women. I'm not making any choices in women these days, but when I was, and I was single for a long time. I didn't get married the first time until I was 37, and then I had eight years between marriages. So I spent the overwhelming majority of my adulthood single. What does it mean when so many ex-girlfriends turn out to be stretcher cases or or just turn out to be very, very weird in the years after you break up with them? I just had another reminder yesterday of somebody that I dated back in the 70s. And she went on my Facebook page the other day and uh, just made this <laughs> comment that came out of left field. I haven't talked to her in years. But an old picture that I had put up because of how awful I looked, and I was wearing a suit coat that looked like it could have kept mosquitoes off the porch. I was at my friend, well, I shouldn't go into too much detail here, but anyhow, I was at a wedding and somebody took this picture. First of all, I looked like Bruce Souter back in the days where he had all that hair sticking out all over the place and then that big bushy beard. I had that, so I looked really awful. And I'm wearing, <laughs> wearing a blue and white checkered sports coat. And then standing next to me is the girl in question, the girl that I was dating. I should say it was more than dating. I mean, we were together for a couple of years. I wanted to marry this girl. And just out of nowhere, I don't know if she just looked up my Facebook page or something. She didn't even, I don't even want to say where she lives, but it's thousands of miles away. All right. And, and this just came out of nowhere and it was a wacky, insane comment. And I've got a couple of those. I've got a couple of those. This one that I was just telling you about went hard right Christian and balls to the wall Trump supporter. So then you start thinking, you know, she's not the only one that sort of skated off the deep end. You got another one in St. Louis. Same thing. Went hard right Christian Bible study, all that sort of stuff. Didn't exhibit any, any of those tendencies while we were together. And you're laying in bed there thinking about it. And inevitably, you start to think to yourself, is it them or was it me? And I don't mean that I broke up with them and they went nuts. I'm saying that they were nuts all the time and maybe they held back on the nuttiness. And then you think to yourself, jeez, I really dodged some bullets because these things all would have gone up in flames eventually because, you know, if you're crazy, the crazy can be suppressed for a while it will eventually come out. The last thing in the world you want to do is marry somebody, you know, especially if you have a couple of kids with them and stuff like that, and then they start with the crazy, and then you got to have a divorce, and, you know, all of that was avoided in those cases. And by the way, when a woman's own girlfriends say to you after you break up, JC, you dodged a bullet, I think, that, I think that's saying a lot. It's her own friends. I don't want to go any further without uh, acknowledging what happened on this date 25 years ago. Is that possible? Come on. 1998? Yep, it's 25 years. We were trying to calculate when Mark McGuire might hit home run number 60, 61, 62 in there. And you're sitting in an office in Corporate Square in this particular case, in Creve Core, and you're sitting there trying to calculate this, and you're like, okay, on average, he does this, and then takes this number of games, and this number of at-bats, and blah, 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 the whole thing, and we come up with September 19th. And we look at the schedule, and it's like, they're in Milwaukee. So we go to the management of the radio station, and 25 years ago, you could do stuff like this. You could go to them and say, hey, 
Wouldn't it be great if we were the only radio station in Milwaukee when Mark McGuire does this? Uh, you'd have KMOX too, but, you know, we pretty much ignored them. And the radio station said, okay, fine. Well, we wanted to go to Milwaukee anyhow. Actually, I used to live there, and I figured this would be great. Take the contingent up there, show them around, have a good time. And so they let us do it. So we're broadcasting from the stadium. I still remember it was a Saturday afternoon, 1998, the 19th of September. And we got word that Alan Barklage had crashed. Now, a lot of people who listened for years on 93.7 KSD, the classic rock station, throughout the uh, 80s and 90s, probably thought that Alan and I hated one another because we were always, you know, bickering and arguing and just we were always sticking him and making fun of him and the whole thing on the radio show. But that was all for the effect. It was just like the equivalent of Jerry Seinfeld saying, hello, Newman. And that's the way it was with us. It was like, people were like, why are these two always arguing with one another? It was just for effect. Yeah, Alan was a wonderful guy. Two tours of duty in Vietnam, and he used to do the kamikaze stuff. He was the guy that, you know, they'd say, all right, look, we got a couple of soldiers down, but they're experiencing heavy gunfire. You can't go in there. And Alan would go, oh, fuck yourselves. And he would just fly in pick these guys up and get them to some sort of a medical unit and try to save their lives. And he did two tours. Then he comes back home, flying the helicopters around and uh, doing traffic reports for a couple of different radio stations. And even there, he would do things like, you know, people would uh, try to commit suicide, jump off a bridge into the water. And, you know, they have interviewed people over the years who have attempted to commit suicide but failed. And almost to a man, those people said the minute they hit the water, they thought to themselves, I made a mistake. I don't want to die. So Alan would swoop in in between traffic reports. You know, people would grab onto the foot of the helicopter, those feet that stick out, the skids, and, and he would pull them to safety, and he wouldn't even miss a traffic report. That was unbelievable. And I always and I flew with him many, many times for various reasons. And I always said, because the slogan, not the slogan, but just an old saying where they say, you know, Airplanes have a tendency to fly. Helicopters have a tendency to crash. But I always thought to myself, after flying with him and seeing what he was able to do and what he knew, it was like, if I ever was in a helicopter that was experiencing mechanical difficulty, Alan Barkalage was the guy that I would want at the controls. So Alan had bought this kit where you basically you build the helicopter yourself, like in your driveway or in your garage or something. You build this helicopter, and then you take it up and you fly it. The only problem is the manufacturers of the helicopter did not apparently test it very well in heat. You know, because an engine, obviously, is going to generate a lot of energy and a lot of heat anyhow. And on this particular day, it was about 95 degrees when Alan took off from Parks Airport in Metro East got a couple of hundred feet in the air the engine locked up and he went down like a stone and that was it you know i think by now everybody's heard the story about the prison break you know some woman says you know 800 bucks to fly for an hour okay fine here's 800 dollars. fly me around i want to go sightseeing and he takes her up and she pulls out a gun and says we're flying to prison you're going to pick up my boyfriend and She's got a gun to the back of his head. And Alan's flying along thinking to himself, I'm going to end up getting killed here one way or the other. If I say, no, I'm not doing it, she's going to shoot me. If 
I go into the prison. The prison guards are going to shoot me. And it is at that moment he just whirls around and starts fighting her for control of the gun, which means he's also got to take his hands off the controls. Helicopters don't like when you do that. And this thing is flying around now like a feather in the wind while he's trying to fight for his life and get this gun away from the woman, which he is able to do, shoots her, grabs control of the helicopter again, and sets it down outside the prison, at which point all the prison guards turn their rifles on him. They don't know what just transpired. All they know is they see a helicopter heading for the prison yard, and they put two and two together, and they train their guns on Allen. Luckily, nobody shot, nobody fired, and he survived that. But all of that happening exactly 25 years ago today. Alan was a good man. He was a good man. He was goofy as the day is long, but he was our goof. And he had a lovely wife, nice family. And Alan, we sort of miss you. All right, celebrity birthdays today. Jimmy Fallon turns 49. Trisha Yearwood, Mrs. Garth Brooks, 59. Formerly of Saturday Night Live, Sherry O'Terry is 61. Joan London, formerly of Good Morning America, 73. Twiggy is 74. Jeremy Irons, you have no idea, 75. Randolph Mantooth. From Emergency, 78, Bill Medley, Righteous Brothers, 83, David McCallum, the man from UNCLE and also from NCIS, turns 90. The TV show Flipper debuted on NBC on this date in 64. The Mary Tyler Moore Show debuted on CBS on this date in 1970. Art Garfunkel and Paul Simon, the concert in Central Park. Half a million people showed up and more than several million watched on HBO and then started buying the recording of it too 42 years ago on this date in 1981. Doogie Hauser made its debut on ABC on the state in 89, ER in 94, and How I Met Your Mother 18 years ago in 2005. Yeah, the Parents Music Resource Center. 38 years ago today, 1985, Tipper Gore and her friends running around trying to put warning labels on albums that were dirty. It's a great story about Tipper Gore, Al Gore, and Bill Clinton. So as the story goes, you know, there's a swimming pool in the White House. And like most men's clubs, Missouri Athletic Club, the men don't wear swimsuits. There's no women around. And so the guys swim naked. So Bill Clinton and Al Gore get installed into the White House, into the presidency and the vice presidency. And the first time Bill Clinton shows up at the White House pool and Al Gore sees him naked, Al Gore looks at him and goes, holy shit. Bill, God, it's huge. And Bill Clinton says, I got a secret. The secret is every night right before I get into bed, I take it, I whack it as hard as I can against the bedpost. Bang. It's hard. I've been doing it for years. And over time, this is what's happened. This is why it's so big. And Al Gore's thinking to himself, well, that's it. I'm going to try that. So he gets home very, very late that night. Tipper is in bed already asleep. And Al Gore tiptoes into the bedroom takes his clothes off and figures, okay, I'm going to give it a shot here, and takes it out and slams it as hard as he can against the bedpost, at which point Tipper wakes up, rolls over, and says, is that you, Bill? Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. I'm here all week. And with that, the J.C. Corcoran Podcast for... 
Tuesday, September 19th, 2023 is in the can. We are here every Monday through Thursday at 11 a.m. at jconthelinecom Spread the word if you can. You can email me, jc at jconthelinecom Facebook the showgram with JC Corcoran. And of course, we're on the air every weekday morning on 101.5 St. Louis, 101.7 West and Beyond. It's streaming at kwolf.com. Have a great day. Congratulations again to Adam Wainwright. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.